Hi, this is John Griffin from Chapel Hill, North Carolina, and you are listening to the Pro Hockey News Podcast. Hello, hockey fans from around the world. I am Richard Cote, the producer of the Pro Hockey News Podcast. It is the second line edition of the podcast, and you know what that means. Yes, I am joined by the publisher of ProHockeyNews.com, Lou Lafredo. Lou, I, I think you were probably waiting for me to put a little, uh, little pop culture reference in there. Lou, how are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I was. <laughs> I, I thought I had another three seconds to think about what I was going to say. Um, uh, we're doing well here um, in Albuquerque, a, a sunny, mild 58 degrees. All right. I, I, I love, I need to keep you on your toes, Lou. I just need to keep yeah. you just ready and, and in the game here. Okay. Um, plus it's also uh, 32 here and snowing a few inches in Denver. Uh, we are also joined by our favorite snarky Canadian, Jacob Doherty. Jacob, how are things in Edmonton? Fantastic. We are beating the crap out of the United States in the Olympics so far. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Uh, we'll we'll see about that tonight when the important, men play each other. Yeah, the important <laughs> contests are coming up. <laughs> right, and we'll we'll probably see a, a rematch of the women's U.S. Canada in, I the, hope so. that was in a... the gold medal game because we know we're headed for that. Listeners, this episode of the Pro Hockey News podcast is brought to you by the Chicago Wolves merchandise store. Head over to chicagowolfstore.com. Enter in code PHN15 to get yourself fifteen percent off your purchase. Get yourself a nice, sweet Chicago Wolves logo. It it looks really nice. I, I love that logo. Fellas, um, I, I do have a rant this week. Um, and it has to do with social media and the way things are moving, especially when it comes to audio and video. Um, and it's going to be a slight plug for me this week, too, because I am hoping sometime next week I'm going to upload my first YouTube short. Um, if you're not familiar with YouTube shorts, they are sub minute videos posted to YouTube, um, where you can convey whatever you want in under a minute. The only problem with this and me with my, you know, audio video background is you can only do video in the vertical format. So the way people normally would hold their phone, because it's for that type of audience, this is kind of the way things are going, and it really pains me because I, I really do not like vertical video. It, I feel like it crops out everything you need to see, but I think it also provides a certain challenge into trying to get a little more creative with, with how you shoot your video. So I found a way around it with the camera that I want to use, you know, turn it 90 degrees, you should be fine. Um, but I, I just, I wish it wasn't in that vertical format. Um, Jacob, being of the uh, younger persuasion, what are your thoughts on, on, on things like video in the vertical format? I have no idea who's actually watching videos like that because I always watch them uh, horizontally like a normal human being. <laughs> I, I just don't understand why they're intentionally cutting out just forcing you to use a certain aspect ratio. It just, I, I understand it for the fact that, you know, people normally hold their phone upright and that's just the, the easiest way to hold it. And this, you know, these kind of formats are for people who are consuming media through their phone. I, I get that, but it's not that hard to turn it 90 degrees and get that horizontal video. And it's not that much harder to hold. Lou, what are your thoughts on vertical video before we get into your bangers and mash here? I'm sorry. Is this the old fart version of the of the, of the conversation now? We hey. have the young the young whippersnapper, and now we're going to the other end of the old fart side. I, I didn't say that. I was thinking I know, it loudly, but, you, but I didn't thinking. say it. What do I think? Um, you know, if you if you've got your phone set up that you it doesn't rotate when you rotate the phone. I, I don't care. Okay. <laughs> you know, if you're incapable of rotating the phone and matching up your video to, to get it, you, you deserve all the ridicule you can get. I look forward to your videos though. 
Um, it, it, I hope you're going to post them. Yeah, it, it, will, it will be coming out. And maybe I might be branching out for, you know, the Pro Hockey News podcast. We'll see. Okay. This is just kind of an experiment to see how things go. Um, all right. With that out of the way, let's let's jump in with Lou here for this week's Bangers and Mash. What do we have this week, Lou? Oh, this episode is about the uh, EIHL over in the United Kingdom. And um, really, you know, we, we typically talk about the top four teams. Uh, the EIHL is really the top three and um, almost virtually almost everyone else. Um, so the Sheffield Steelers are still holding down the number one spot. They have anywhere between a one and um, uh, four game uh, advantage um, over the rest of the of the league, but um, they're pulling down with uh, fifty one points in the first first spot. Uh, Cardiff Devils have come on of late um, and actually overtook the Belfast Giants for the number two spot, but they've got thirty four games, so they've played four more than Sheffield, um, and they're coming in at forty nine points. So they're just two points back, but with eight points still on the table for the Steelers to, to get it's, you know, it's a rough haul. Uh, the, the Belfast giants, uh, two games more than uh, Sheffield and they have 48 points. So it's a little bit closer for them. Rounding out the top four are the Nottingham Panthers. So they've got uh, 31 um, points over 31 games. Um, and then it sort of drops off. Um, COVID has still, um, had an impact on the five through seven position. So those those positions, uh, that's um, um, the Guildford uh, Flames, Manchester Storm, and Coventry Blaze, they've been really hampered by uh, COVID. They've had a lot of players out um, and still um, having an impact. So um, the problem there is that uh, Nottingham has, like I said, 20 uh 31 points and that drops off to 28 and then you really get um, you really get a drop so there are an awful lot of teams are going to have to beat each other up in order to get into that top four uh, one of those top four spots um, but um, some of these games have been really interesting a um, couple of shutouts uh, last weekend um, and some really exciting uh, rallies Cardiff Devils posted I think what was it a uh, uh, four goal third period to overtake the uh, the blaze uh, uh, during the week. So uh, good games. So that's it for the bangers of mash, Richard. All right. Bringing it back here to the North American continent. We're going to be talking uh, about the AHL first. Um, Want to, you know, kind of spotlight a team this week, uh, the Ontario rain uh, Lou, uh, they seem to be, uh, you know, catching up to the rest of the league here. They're now in the number two spot in their division. Uh, it seems to be their special teams are carrying them. Uh, what, what, what have you seen most, uh, you know, coming out um, with the Ontario rain lately? It's, it's on the, uh, um, um, the power play is where they're really starting to pick up uh, steam. Uh, their power play has been incredibly effective this year. In fact, a significant part of their offense comes from the, comes off the power play. Uh, penalty kill has also played uh, played a part in their push up the uh, Pacific uh, division. But, um, you know, typically the Ontario Reign have not been a challenger to the top spot in the division. I think it really uh, bodes well for what the Los Angeles Kings have uh, coming down, um, out of, well, coming out of Ontario to, to hit LA here in the not too distant future. Um, so, uh, that's, that's the reason they've, they've overtaken, uh, Bakersfield, uh, Condors, uh, for that number two spot, uh, granted they've played three more games than, uh, the Condors, but they, they, and the division leaders, the Stockton Heat have both played 37, 37 games and, you know, it's essentially a dead heat there. Um, but that's, you know, that's really what it's about. It's that, that. Uh, special teams at the AHL level, and certainly the Kings could use some of that uh, ability up in uh, up in the NHL as they try and chase down a playoff spot. So. Yeah, you, you mentioned that they've played three more games than the Bakersfield Condors, but they have ten more points yeah. than the Condors right now, so they're in a pretty safe spot for that buffer. Uh, they've gone seven two zero and one in their last ten, uh, but. 
you know, the team that's trailing them, Bakersfield, they've gone eight, one and one in their last 10. So, you know, it's, it's not exactly, um, you know, an easy walk into that second position. Uh, and you're right that, you know, their special teams, their, their power play is, is really uh, allowed them to, you know, keep that distance as far in the standing. So um, it'll be interesting to see how, how that shakes up. Well, you know, uh, th- that you brought up the Condors there. Um, you know, let's not forget uh, Woodcroft, the head coach, has been called up to Edmonton. He's taken uh, a position up in Edmonton, and you wonder, I know we're going to talk about coaching changes later, but you wonder what sort of impact that's going to have on the Bakersfield Condors and um, and their their aspirations for postseason play this season. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, as we talk about the standings in the AHL, uh, we're going to be doing this by point percentage because Mm -hmm. this is how we kind of have to do things nowadays. Uh, In the Atlantic Division, our top four, we have the Hartford Wolfpack in the number one spot, the Hershey Bears in the number two spot, the Springfield Thunderbirds in the number two spot, and the Providence Bruins. Uh, We're going to be talking about uh, one former player of theirs here in a bit in the number four spot. In the North Division, we have the Utica Comets in the number one spot, the Toronto Marlies in that number two spot, the Rochester Americans in the number three spot, and the Laval Rockets in the number four spot. In the Central Division, the Chicago Wolves are leading the division, uh, the Manitoba Moose in the second spot, the Iowa Wild in that number three spot, and the Milwaukee Admirals rounding out your top four. In the Pacific Division, the Stockton Heat remain on top. Ontario Rain are climbing the reins of that ladder. The Bakersfield Condors are in the number three spot, as we were just talking about. And the Henderson Silver Knights are in the number four spot, rounding out your top four. All right, let's let's head over to the ECHL. Um, A team I kind of want to spotlight here, uh, who we've seen playing extremely well in, in the last few games. And actually they've overtaken the Newfoundland Growlers as the top spot in the North, the Reading Royals eight, one and one in their last 10. Uh, they are on a four game winning streak. They are now um, officially um, appears to be 11 points ahead of uh, the Newfoundland Growlers uh, having played four more games. Um, this is a team who, who seems to be, um, as we were just talking about the the Ontario Reign, kind of in a similar position. Um, although they have played more games, they they've done it wisely. They've they've been able to maintain that distance from Newfoundland. Uh, Lou, have you noticed anything out of Reading um, lately that's kind of contributed to this four game win streak? I think. The, the issue here is, you know, we were talking ahead of time that uh, the Royals are within the, are inside the Philadelphia Flyers um, um, affiliate uh, system. There has not been a great deal of movement up and down um, out of Philly into Lehigh Valley in the, uh, for the Phantoms in the AHL, which means there's not a lot of movement coming out of Reading up to uh, the Phantoms. And so I think what you're probably seeing here now is the, the Royals have got a stable uh, roster and it's paying dividends right now. Um, you know, at some point they're going, you know, the trade deadlines are coming up, what is it, five weeks away now. Um, so that will probably necessitate some movement at the NHL and AHL levels. And that's, you know, much the same as we talked about with um, Bakersfield. And uh, shifts at the upper at the at the parent uh, organization. Be interesting to see what happens with the with the Royals, but I think it's an issue of just consistency in the roster. Yeah, and a uh, plus twenty six goal differential doesn't yeah. hurt either with that four game win streak. All right, so let's take a look at the standings in the ECHL in the North Division. The Reading Royals, as we were just talking about, in the number one spot. The Growlers in the number two spot. The Toivier Lions in the number three spot. Jacob, how'd I do? Yes. Okay. Uh, and the Maine Mariners in that number four spot. You know, every week when I get to them, I, I want you to grade me, but grade me in French. 
I don't know how to do that. I actually don't speak French. <laughs> I well, said family from ah, there. Oui, oui. <laughs> There's just uh, something for you to work on. Uh, yeah. In the South Division, the Jacksonville Icemen in the number one spot, the Atlanta Gladiators in that number two spot, Florida Everblades starting to slip a little bit in the number three spot, and the Orlando Solar Bears in that number four spot. In the Central Division, we have the Toledo Walleye up top, the Kalamazoo Wings in the number two spot, the Fort Wayne Comets in the number three spot, and the Wheeling Nailers in that number four spot. In the Mountain Division, we have the Utah Grizzlies up top, the Idaho Steelheads behind them in the number two spot, the Tulsa Oilers in the number three spot, and the Rapid City Rush rounding out your top four. All right, that was quite a bit to get through, but that also leads us into our NHL segment. And as we had talked about in the beginning of this podcast, we've had a few coaching changes in the last week. Uh, both of them Canadian teams, one of them near and dear to Jacob's heart. And the other one, the, the other one nearer and dearer to Jacob's <laughs> heart. Um, let's talk uh, about uh, kind of the different positions these two teams are in and kind of, um, you know, where they are with needing a new head coach. You, you have one team who can possibly right the ship, you know, correct themselves, get into the playoffs and make some noise. And the other one is the Montreal Canadiens. Let's start with them. Uh, they just hired on um, this guy, uh, Martin St. Louis, I, th I think is his name. Is, 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 is that right? Something like that, yeah. Something yeah. like that. I, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Coming out of nowhere. <laughs> Martin St. Louis is the new head coach of the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, they had their first game last night, a 5-2 loss to Washington. I don't know if that's much of a test of how he's going to be as a coach for the rest of the season because, granted – that was Washington, a, a pretty decent team against a extremely struggling, uh, you know, Montreal Canadiens team. Um, but uh, Jacob, I, I take it you watched the game last night, or I watched bits and pieces of it. I was doing schoolwork while watching the game, but what were your priorities? <sighs> yeah, I know. <laughs> but there's uh, not really much he could do though in that game. So it's I think it's for. From now on, we're actually going to see what he can do as a coach because that game was like, he came in, said hello to everybody, gave them apparently a very, very good speech according to a lot of people in that room and hyped them up a lot, which I think is a great start. Yeah, I mean, th there's not much. I mean, they announced it on Wednesday, I believe. Uh, they announced their new head coach. Uh, first game's on Thursday. There, there's not a whole lot. Yeah, like you said, there's not a whole lot you can do. You have one maybe you have one practice one game day skate and then you're you're thrown into the fire there uh, not a whole lot to put together a plan um so let's uh, we talked about this this is going to be you know for the rest of the season jacob i want to get your thoughts do you think that some point they're going to remove the interim from his head coach or is that going to be determined by the end of the season i don't even I have literally no idea. I think he's saying all the right things to have that uh, title removed in the offseason. But this team that he has around him, just what can you do with that? Right? right? And they don't have really any strong suits. They have, they're just going to be a bottom of the league team. And if you're Montreal, if you're a Montreal fan, you kind of want them to keep losing so you get that first round draft pick. Shane or a better Wright's chance at it, right? Yeah. yeah. But a Shane Wright would actually help the, this team a lot. And they have a lot of cap space. Wait, no, never mind. <laughs> Scratch that. He had a lot of cap space. Right. <laughs> um, Lou, do you think this, this is going to be a long-term position for San Luis? Or do you think this is just kind of a placeholder until they find a, another coach who might be available? What coaching experience does he have before this? Was he an assistant someplace? Um, you know, this is the this is his first head coaching job, mm -hmm. um, and to have thrown him for him to have taken this position, and and for the Canadians to have thrown him into this mess. They have eight wins on the season. Um, um, <laughs> 
he be he's lucky to get through the season. They they fired Claude Julian. Now they um, um, Dominic um, Ducharme. Yeah, sorry, thank you. Um, you um, Tavier is is um, Richards um, Kryptonite. Dominic's last name is my Kryptonite, um, and then, so now to come around to St. Louis. To me, it seems more like a PR stunt than anything else. So you're talking about any like prior coaching experience he's had uh, after his NHL career in 2019. He took up a job as a special teams consultant for the Blue Jackets, uh, hmm. working with um, John Tortorella. Um, but I'd like a few months after that. Yeah, and then <laughs> and now he's a head. He's an interim head coach of, yeah. you know, one of the most demanding clubs in sports. I'm not even gonna say in hockey. This is, this is a market that demands a lot out of their hockey team. And um, I mean, you gotta get, you got a guy with name recognition. He is a hall of famer 2018. He was inducted in, uh, he's a Stanley cup champion with the Tampa Bay lightning in 2004. Um, but I, as we were talking at the beginning of the, uh, you know, before we recorded this episode, you know, I, I have a kind of a, a feeling and kind of a saying is that, you know, great players rarely ever make good coaches because to be a great player, you relied on your natural talent. And that's something you can't teach. Now there are going to be exceptions to that rule. There are, there are great players who can be good coaches because they can, you know, bring out the best in players, but many times that that just doesn't seem to be true. I mean, we, we, we saw this in Arizona with Wayne Gretzky. I mean, how many Stanley Cups did they win? How many playoff appearances did they make? Um, very little is, is, is the answer there. Um, so I, it, it just takes a, a different mindset and a different breed of player or person to become a, or to be you know, effective as a head coach, at least at the NHL level. And I also want to mention, I remember when the Oilers were playing um, the Habs, the, like, Zach Cassian ripped the goaltender's head off behind the net. It was an accident, don't get me wrong, but the fact that there was zero response, yeah. none, is just, it, you know that's just, the team is done, and the coach has to go at that point because you're – as a coach, your job, especially when you're, I wouldn't say tanking, but when you're having a really down year and there's no way you're making the playoffs, you need to have, be able to motivate your team in some way. And the fact that he wasn't able to just, I guess, speak, speaks volumes. Now, let's, let's talk about the team who has a shot at the playoffs Granted, it is fading a little bit, but they're going to get their first test tonight with the new head coach, Jay Raycroft. Edmonton Oilers have replaced their head coach with Jay Raycroft, um, you know, hoping to spark something. Sounds like big players, uh, you know, McDavid, Dreisaitl are totally on board with this guy. You know, they're saying they're going to give him anything he needs from, you know, from them as players. Jacob, being the resident from Edmonton, what are your thoughts on this hire? And do you think it's enough to write this ship? I think it could be. We don't know yet. I have not watched a single game um, of Bakersfield. So I can't tell you how good or what his play style or what his coaching style is, or if that will work. But I do know at even when we immediately hired Dave Tippett, the coaching style and the team did not match. And I think that no matter what happens uh, from now on, I think the Oilers were better long-term uh, because they had Dave Tippett, but he had to go. The team just was not, they didn't have any motivation past McDavid. They had no offense past McDavid. They had no court. They, they had nothing. No. Like past McDavid and Dreisaitl, they had nothing. And hell, even Dreisaitl was starting to be, start to feel a bit uh, invisible in, in a lot of these games, which is rare 
um, in the first two seasons under Dave Tippett. Right. Um, so, I mean, uh, is this is this a hire you think is going to be sticking around for a while, or is that to be determined? I think he has probably a year after this as well. But if if we stay on, if the Oilers stay on the current trajectory, I can't see him staying. Or if they just go straight nosedive, I don't think he sticks around until the end of the season. Or after the end of this, sorry. Lou, I, I want to get your thoughts on this, on, on the hire uh, by Edmonton. Do you think this was the right guy to hire to fix any issues that they are having with the season or should we chalk this up as another lost season in Edmonton? Well, this is, this actually rekindles an old debate that um, Jacob and I have had over the last few years about the value and role of Connor McDavid on the team. And I think this is, Look, um, Jacob, you know that earlier in the season, I was fully behind Connor McDavid and as, you know, any kind of award that any kind of silverware that they were going to be up for voting, that he should have a clear path to to a sweep in the postseason, after season uh, award ceremonies. Um, But his inability to... Um, put this team on on his back when the team needed him, and this goes for Drysaitel as well, who's you know um, infamously be, you know through a temper tantrum at a in a um, post game interview. I, does that point to the head coach, or does it point to two players who just don't have it? Um, don't have the leadership qualities beyond being able to score. And that's my concern. And so I don't care if it's Woodcroft or anyone else who comes in. There are major issues, I think, in Edmonton that we, we're we just not seeing. Because, Jacob, you're right. Uh, uh, hang on. You, you're absolutely right. You, you've got McDavid, Dreisaitl, and everyone else, you know, uh, chumming for leftovers. Sorry, uh, Jacob, go ahead. I'm actually starting to kind of lean towards um, what you are saying now, because it's starting to become a bit evident that McDavid's, well, McDavid is a fantastic hockey player. And I'm sure the C on his chest should probably not go away because I think you just don't take that away from a player like that. I do think they need another leader in that locker room. And I have no idea who it's going to be or who it could be because they have to bring it in from elsewhere. You need a player who just has, who's just a big uh, heart and soul player who can rally his team around him. And he doesn't even have to be that good. Just rally his team, even if you're from the bench. I remember I, I uh, when I went to Oilers games with uh, James Neal on that team, he would be screaming every time he was on the bench. He would be just yelling, go, 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 come on. Like he would be a massive motivator. Right. And that's someone who like, in terms of cap space and contracts, he is a detriment to your team. You have, and also when you see star players, like absolutely canning players out of anger and rage, Leon Dreisaitl, um, it does not look good. Now, um, their first game with uh, with Woodcroft is going to be tonight, uh, hosting the Edmund or not the hosting the uh, New York Islanders. Um, and I do have to ask this just because I mean we we know the struggles that the Island Islanders have had this season. Is this going to be enough of a test to kind of gauge? how Woodcroft is, is going to perform, you know, for the short term, or is this kind of another one that we just kind of need to, you know, take with a grain of salt? I think maybe uh, just, it would be important to look on 
how energetic the team starts. But past that, we don't really know what system, systems he's going to start running until maybe the game after, I think. Because you got to give him time to, you know, set up shop and get his system going. Yeah. Well, um, we'll definitely be watching tonight and see, uh, you know, what happens in the game. Um, and just, you know, we'll, we'll keep our eyes open and, and what we notice, uh, at least on the bench and see if uh, maybe there might be a little resurgence left in the Oilers this season and what they can do to, uh, to pick themselves up in the Pacific division. Um, all right, let's, let, let's talk about, let, let's go to a player who we've talked about in, in the podcast before. Um, there was a trade from his former team to the desert. And now it sounds like he may be close to coming off the LTIR, which could mean major headaches, maybe for the Vegas Golden Knights. Jacob, you threw this in the rundown. I think do you have a few thoughts on this. Jack Eichel is possibly coming back soon for the Vegas, or not coming back, but he's going to be making his debut soon for the Vegas Golden Knights. Yes, we don't know. We don't know much or, uh, in terms of dates, or we don't actually have a timeline officially. But he is now skiing on a non on a contact jersey, so we could see him returning fairly soon. And by fairly soon, I expect weeks, not months. Right. So this is all happening before the trade deadline, which is a blessing for Vegas because now they don't have to scratch players. Right. Um, actually, wait, no, they would have to put them on waivers. They don't, I think they can scratch because that still counts against the cap. It does, correct. So they would have to waive players. Yep. So at least they can, they can waive or they can trade players and get something in return. But he also has a fairly similar time to Alec Martinez coming back from injury who hasn't played since mid-November. And this poses a massive problem because you have no cap space. There are... Uh, Frank Saravelli has mentioned a possibility that uh, Mark Stone could be placed on the LTIR um, with his injury. And for a hopeful return in the playoffs. But that doesn't you still have to get rid of some money. You still have to oh, get rid of like, I think 4 million in cap space or something. Yeah. That's still, yes. Yeah, 6 million that's coming off of LTIR if stone goes on. So that they're going to have to make up for something in there. And let's see their current cap space is zero. Right. Well, that's their projected. <laughs> uh, their current space is 5.7 million. So oh, yes. You only have one or two million to to clear, but that's um, that's still a major headache because you don't have many parts you can move, mm-hmm. or, or many parts that will be a, a huge detriment because you got a lot of large price tags on that roster. Um, Lou, I, I know you've you've had feelings about Eichel, and uh, you know the type of player he is back in Buffalo. Do you see any sort of um, any sort of redemption for him in Vegas, or do you expect to see more of the same Eichel? Um, I I hope for redemption. I am not optimistic. Um, I, I I guess it will depend on what happens after that first hit that he takes and you know will he respond um positively to that first hit um but the 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 great advantage i think for eichel now moving to vegas is that uh he's not the go-to player and maybe that's where all of this changes um, there are plenty of there's plenty of talent in Vegas, so he does not have to carry 
a team like Buffalo. Um, so maybe there is some redemption, but I'm, I'm still not convinced I, because it's still Jack Eichel in the end. Yeah. Um, Sorry to be pessimistic, but you know, it's, it, it's hard to see cha- like major changes with players um, in, especially at this level, because you know, what you get, you know, what they took to get there, they're going to keep that. Uh, we're seeing that with players like Brad Marchand. Um, mm. I, I think we, we've seen minor changes in players like, uh, like Taylor Hall when he, when he went to Boston. He seems to have calmed down a little bit. He seems to be producing for that team, be, becoming more of a team player. Um, whether that's going to last more than a season and a half, that has yet to be seen, but uh, he seems to have found a good spot for him and a good you know, support of teammates and coaching staff to guide him in the right direction. I hope that continues, not just because I'm a Boston fan, but because I like to see players develop and become better and better at the game. Hmm. Um, yeah, so I, I, I really hope that this is more of a redemption for Eichel rather than, um, you know, the next, the next round for him, so to speak. Yeah. And so really a follow-up for both, a follow-up question for both of you to consider, I think, if you don't mind, is, is Peter DeBoer the right head coach for Jack Eichel? I don't think so. I think those two are, yeah. are going to be combative and it's just not going to end well. And right. So bef- Jacob, I agree. Yeah. I, as do I, and which means that the redemption is on hold. So, right. yeah, it's not, um, it's not the best situation. And I'm surprised to see Vegas in first place, although, you know, maybe not. Because they've they've been struggling, you know, to put a winning streak together, and um, but Calgary's going to put some heat on them. Jacob Markstrom is now seeing beach balls and not uh, uh, BBs uh, the last couple of weeks. Yeah, they got um, Calgary has four games in hand, and it's only three points behind uh, Vegas. Yeah. So, yeah, there's somebody knocking on the door. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be uh, it's going to be a wild ride for the top of that division, and yeah. it'd be interesting to yeah. see you know how Eichel factors into that that battle for Vegas to stay on top, or whether they uh, even drop down to possibly a wild card, depending on what Edmonton decides to do here. Um, all right, let's let's talk from player who's returning to player who's retiring uh, this week. Uh, Boston Bruins goalie Tuka Rask announced that he is retiring from the game of hockey. Um, reading his uh, retirement note to the league and to fans, sounds like the surgery he went through uh, for his hip, he wasn't recovering uh, at the rate that he wanted to, to be able to play uh, at the level of, you know, that has been expected of him. So it sounds like he's, he's having an issue with that. And he just decided that it's, um, it's done. It's, it's time to go. Um, you know, this, this is, a, a player I really enjoyed watching. He was, he was a phenomenal goaltender to, to watch. You know, I think, you know, whether you, you, you know, like the Bruins, like myself or like Jacob did not, I think he was still an entertaining goalie to, to watch, you know, flop around. He had a, a, a more than a handful of amazing saves that just made you think, how did he even get to that? And a few behind the back, a lot with the paddle. Um, he was just a fun guy to watch and he just seemed like, you know, a, a genuine person who, you know, who you could just go grab a beer with. Um, but the question I want to throw out to you guys, and I, we do this every time a big name retires, um, with the resume he has right now, is he hall of fame or hall of really good? Jacob, I'm going to start with you. I'm going to say Hall of really good. I don't feel like he showed the level of consistent greatness that is required to become to go into the Hall of Fame. And I believe he had a lot of help um, from just his team was in the team in front of him was just so good. He never really had to take a team that was 
from the basement, like um, Lundquist, for example, because Lundquist even is on the bubble. Um, he never had to t carry a team from like the depths of hell to uh, greatness or to like cup contention. And I think that's what separates a Hall of Fame goalie and a, a Hall of Really Good goalie. Lou, he had a 921 career save percentage, fourth all time. Hall of Fame or Hall of Really Good? I think he gets in. I, I think he's a Hall of Famer. Um, how many cups? One. Three appearances, one cup. But he was not the starter that season. That was the Tim Thomas season back in 2011. Hmm. But he was on the roster for that team. I think that was his third season with the Bruins. It was really only his second because he had four games and then one game, and then 39. Oh, then okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to stick with it uh, and say he gets in. Okay. Yourself. I'm going to go through some of his stats and then I'll let you know what I think. Okay. I'm throwing my, my Boston bias out the window. This is purely by the numbers and how I graded uh, Lundquist when we talked about him a few weeks ago. 308 wins, 33rd all-time, 52 shutouts, 27th all-time, and of course, as I mentioned, a 921 save percentage, 4th all-time. For somebody to get into the Hall of Fame, I'd really like to see two or more of those categories in the top 10. By that, I don't think he makes the Hall of Fame. I Again, I would not be angry if he got in because he he was a very good goalie, but I think he stays in the hall of very good. I don't think he makes Hall of Fame. And hmm. that that's that's my rationale. Twitter, fight me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, again, he was he was extremely fun to watch, you know, whether you were for or against Boston. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't think, um, I don't think his numbers allow him entrance into the hall of fame 15 seasons with the Bruins though. I mean, that that's nothing to sneeze at 15 seasons in the NHL as a goalie is nothing to sneeze at. That's, that's pretty unique. And to have it with continuously, just with one team is something we don't see much anymore as we were talking about with Lundquist, we don't really count his move to Washington because he never really suited up for a game anyway. Right. right. You know, what's interesting about goalies uh, in, in this era versus the era that, you know, this old fart uh, started watching hockey, uh, goalies were always seasoned before hitting um, the show, so to speak. Um, you never saw you know, Spencer Knight, um, aged, uh, players, um, coming in. Um, it was, they were always, um, farmed out to get all of the experience possible down at, in the minor leagues. Um, and I'll take, uh, the Rangers current number one, uh, Igor Shesterkin, um, played an awful lot of time over in the KHL, then came over and spent a couple of seasons, uh, with Hartford in the AHL before hitting the end. Uh, um, it seems a, a far more traditional approach for goalies. And so the, my point is that really stellar Hall of Fame goaltenders that we see, the older ones, came into the NHL with far more impressive resumes than, than some of these kids do. You know, imagine... Um, you know, if, Spence, if we're having that same conversation about Spencer Knight in the future, um, he's going to face, you know, all of these travails and all of these mediocre numbers on the front end. So something to think about, too, with Rask. You know, yeah. if, if we were to subtract out the first three years or so, then what is his number? What, what, do, his, what, do, do, what do his career numbers look like after year three? That yeah. sort of thing. So just just a uh, you know it's like quarterbacks and good pitchers you yeah. know leave them in the minors and get them get them up to shape so 
And as I had mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, he also mm. is a former Providence Bruin. Yeah. So yeah, there, there is that. All right, guys. Um, we haven't had one of these in a while. Uh, I thought it is a good time to check in on uh, a guy in Washington. He goes by the name of Alexander Ovechkin. Um, rumor has it he can score goals. Or so I hear. Um, he is now fourth all-time uh, he has been for a little while since the last time we talked about it uh he is fourth all-time in the nhl for goals he is seven goals behind yamir yager i think we had thrown the question around uh back in december what deadline we were going to give him to pass yamir yager because back then i think he was like 20 23 or 24 goals behind him now he's seven. I think the timetable I gave him was by the end of January. Well, that is now passed. So I am incorrect. Um, and I, I don't remember if you guys officially put something out there, but um, Lou, do you remember what yours was? I think mine was the end of this month. Okay. So he's got, another... he's got time. Yeah. <laughs> now that they're playing during the Olympic break. Jacob, right. do, you, do you remember what yours was? I think I was a lot more conservative. I think I said trade deadline. Yeah. Okay. That, that does sound familiar. Okay. Hmm. Um, so I, I am now out of this running. It is now between you two. I am going to give you a date here between now and the trade deadline, I believe is correct me if I'm wrong, March 1st, correct? Or is that? It's five weeks, five weeks. Yeah. Something like the 15th or. Okay. Yeah. I, I had the wrong date down on my calendar. We'll go March 15th. Okay. March 21st. March 21st. March 21st. March 21st. Uh, there was a one in there somewhere. I, okay. That, that makes sense. Two, two weeks to the end of this month, right? All right. I'm going to give you guys a date and I want you to give me an over under. I am out of running in this contention because I am still just dead wrong. Let's set the date March 7th. Over or under, Lou? Is, is he going to do it before or after? To pass Yager? To pass Yager. He needs seven goals. Wow. I I think he doesn't. Before? The be I'm sorry, before. Yes. Okay. Before. Jacob. It's okay if you agree. Then I'm gonna move the goalposts and we'll I'm find a spot where we divide. Going to say by March 10th. Oh, okay, so okay. you're going after. Because he has two games back to get back uh, against Calgary and Edmonton. I think he gets it after that. <laughs> okay. So you're going, okay, so March 8th, Lou's going before, Jacob's going after. I am just wrong as I have been many times this season, so I am out of that running. All right, let's talk a little Olympics. As we know, these... You know, opening ceremonies happened a week ago today, Friday, as we're recording this. Um, hockey competition started a few days before that. We've had we've seen a lot of action on the women's side, which we'll talk about in just a minute. But tonight, Friday night, on February 11th, we are going to see, well, local time, we are going to see the U.S. and Canada men's teams match up for the first time in the Olympics. I know Jacob's really excited. I can see the excitement in his face. A lot of national pride going on. on there, right? <laughs> um, Lou, I'm, I'm going to come to you first. What are you looking for? Like, what are you going to be watching for in this game? Uh, see if the U.S. can keep up. Um um actually i think this is a this is a gimme for canada okay uh, yeah. you're you're going to forget about the eight nothing steamrolling uh the us gave china, As, china. you probably should but i mean you're going to forget about that <laughs> yeah yeah okay. i think you know we'll 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 just it was a scrimmage okay <laughs> jacob what are you going to be watching for in this game Yeah, okay. I just want to go back to the US versus China. Seal clubbing is a Canadian thing. 
<laughs> wow, very good. I like that. <laughs> I have to remember that. Thank you for that. Seriously. Um, so I think Canada ha had more to show against Germany. And I think Germany isn't a bad team by any stretch of the mm. imagination. And if Tobey Reader scored that one goal in Edmonton that one time, they would have made the playoffs that year. But he, I, or the rest of the Canadian team looks pretty good so far. Um, our, the star players, um, like Eric Stahl, the um, Owen Powers, haven't uh, registered a point yet. Actually, I think Stahl got an assist, but... Alas, I am cautiously optimistic of this game. It, it's at bloody midnight uh, Mountain Time, 2 p.m. East or 2 a.m. Eastern, and I'm gonna have to uh, stay up for that. And I am not excited. <laughs> um, I, I have it down as 11:10 Eastern, which is 9:10 Eastern or 9:10 uh, Mountain Time. I, I'm looking at the uh, official hockeycanada.ca website right now. Their game time is at 11.10 Eastern. Let me double check. I, I'm on the Olympics website. And I remember pulling up the schedule as I was at work for an NBC station. We are broadcasting it at 9.10 Mountain Time. Yeah, they actually changed it. So it's coming earlier. Well, yeah. I mean, you got to adjust to the TV schedule. NBC owns the Olympics. What game are they going to want to show? Oh, obviously. Right. So, yeah. I'm glad. <laughs> Just save my sleep schedule. <laughs> All right. Um, I, I, I agree with Lou. I'm, I'm going to be looking for, is the U.S. going to be able to keep up with Canada? Um, I don't have... Uh, I don't have as much faith in them as I have in past seasons. Um, I, I'm kind of favoring. Uh, I don't think it'll Canada. be that bad. Uh, no, it, it's not, but it's going to be interesting to see if they can. Uh, I don't know if like, I don't have the faith as I have in past years, um, but it'll be interesting to see. This is going to be the, the first true test for, for both teams. Not to say that, that Germany wasn't much competition for team Canada, but this is going to be the first true test for Canada as this is going to be the first actual game for team USA. Um, yeah. I, I think speed's going to be a factor. And I, I think um, team Canada might have the edge in that, mm. but we'll see. You, you know, that's why you play the game. Um, as far as the women go, we already have seen a U.S. Canada matchup. Um it, it didn't quite go the way that the U.S. was hoping. Um, a 4-2 loss or win, depending on which side of this podcast you sit on. Um, but very entertaining game, very much fun to watch. And to me, in my mind, this is just a preview of the gold medal game when we're going to see a rematch of these two. Um, I think, um, yeah, I this is going to be one of those games in the gold medal round where throw the records out the window. It's really going to be, however, whichever way the puck bounces, you know, it's just going to be a fun one to watch beginning to end. Um, 54 shots on goal. Is that what it was? I believe so. U S took 54 shots to 26. A lot of those were rebound shots. The, the Canadian goaltender just didn't control her rebound like at all. Wow. <laughs> it's a lot of flailing. Uh, it was yeah. terrifying to watch. Yeah, US, I was scared. Uh, US, U.S. outshot Canada fifty-three to twenty-seven. Oh, yeah. I was well, same total, but right. <laughs> total also, those two up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also, uh, hot dog woman also murdered a uh, ref. What? Vanda Kessel. What about you know, Phil oh, Kessel? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yeah, Amanda Kessel accidentally high sticked the ref really oh. fast. It was it, the ref returned. <laughs> but. Yeah, uh, but I, I will say though, uh, women's hockey is almost like a pure version of hockey, like a what hockey at its core is, and I really like that, and it's just so refreshing to see. Yeah, I, 
You know, I, I've said this before on the podcast, and I, I really want to emphasize this. I want to see a family event with Phil and Amanda Kessel. And, you know, Phil talking about how great it is to win a Stanley Cup and Amanda just polishing her gold medal and being like, I'm sorry, I can't hear you over my gold medal. I just, I, I would love to be a fly on the wall for that. Just Somehow to see I, I, I see that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I get you. I, yeah. Well, the yeah, visual is just She's a gold on. and a silver, right? Yeah. And I don't think Phil has either one of those. I don't think he has Did a silver. Did Phil play for Sochi? I, or in Sochi? No, because the, uh, the NHL could not play in that one. In Sochi? No, no. Uh, not Pyeongchang, Sochi, like 2014. Oh, did he? No, because the NHL still couldn't, because that wasn't in their uh, CBA. They, no, the, I remember. They? A lot, yeah, they played right. in Sochi. Okay. I don't remember if he was on the team. He, 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 he had to have been on the team. If he wanted, he ate it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, well, you know what? You know. <laughs> Blue, blue. Yeah. For uh, for a comment like that, I, I think you owe Phil a, a little uh, a peace offering, maybe uh, something from LDE Affinity Jewelry to say, "I'm sorry." Maybe go over to the Pro Hockey News website and uh, click on the banner ad. Get yourself uh, a nice little gift for him because um, that 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 was a little mean. That that was a little below the anyone belt. who was offended. <laughs> He was, he was on the 2014 team. He was okay. Um, you know what? Maybe, um, maybe you can help him out in his career and go over to uh, also to Pro Hockey News. Click on the Verbero ad. See if we can get him a nice stick. See if yeah. we can help him score a few yeah. more goals and make him feel a little bit more better. A little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right, gentlemen. Let's go to our pick 99 picks or our bet 99 picks of the week. Jacob has picked five games. I'm going to throw in a sixth because I see one he has missed. But let's get through these uh, five picks for the week. Um, Jacob, take it yes. away. Okay. So we got the, for our first, or actually, sorry, last week, um, the New York Islanders and Seattle Kraken game got canceled due to weather. But because of the Canes um, point in a game on his first game in Edmonton, we still had five. So Lou went two and three, Richard went one and four, and I went three and two. So I am one game away from Lou now. Uh, Lou's 27 and 14, I'm 26 and 15, and Richard is having a time at I, 18 and 23. I'm having a typical season. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, first game, the Carolina Hurricanes at the Minnesota Wild. Lou, why don't you take it away? Wow. Um, you know what? I'm going to take the Minnesota Wild. No reason. Okay, Richard. I'm going to go with the Jerks. Yeah? I also will take the Jerks. They are really good. I'm very excited. And our next game is the Winnipeg Jets at the Nashville Predators. Richard, what about you? Or where are you going to start with? Oh. Uh, you know what? I, I got to take the Predators in this one. Winnipeg's not looking so great. Lou? I should have taken you up on the offer um, a couple of weeks ago, Richard, and... Uh, made a change away from Winnipeg. Uh, they did win last night, um, two nothing. Yeah. But, um, no, I'm going to take Nashville in this one. Yeah. And I will make it unanimous. It Nashville is just so much better right now. And now we have the Philadelphia Flyers at the Detroit Red Wings. I am sorry. The games were a bit on the lopsided side. this week. Uh, Lou, Detroit. I will take uh, Detroit because um, Detroit beat them in the front end of the home and home. Nice. Richard? Yeah, if it was 
in Philly, I'd be more inclined to take the Flyers, but I'm going to go Detroit as well. I don't want to make this unanimous, but I can't. Um, I'm picking Detroit as well. Um, it's you, just... You know what? Hold, hold on. Go, flip my pick. Give me Philadelphia. Every time I pick a Philadelphia game, I always instinctually pick the wrong team. My instinct is to go with Detroit. I'm going with Philadelphia this time. And you know what? I, I have some ground I need to make up on you too. So let's just... <laughs> okay. you know, give me Winnipeg too. Crazy give me... Switch Winnipeg. So, <laughs> give me Winnipeg. I need to make up ground. Jeez. Okay. Um, that will backfire. Yeah, um, I will. <laughs> the New York Islanders at the Calgary Flames. Richard, do you have any ideas this time? <laughs> yeah. You can't change okay. from now on. I know you guys are going to pick Calgary, but I cannot pick the island. Although it is a road game for them, they do a lot better on the road. Uh, hold on. Uh, actually, they, they've, uh, they're about even. Oh, no, I got to go Calgary. I, I can't, in all good conscience, take the Islanders right now. Who? Calgary. Markstrom. Uh, yeah, I'm going to have to make it unanimous because yeah, just, I never, I did not realize how bad New York, the New York Islanders were offensively without Jordan Everly. Mm-hmm. It feels like the entire house of cars just fell down the second that he left. And yeah. So now we're going to the Olympics. We're going to pick tonight's game between the United States and Canada. Are you two traders? <laughs> USA, USA, you. You got to put it in there three times because that's the chant. You misspelled USA under your name. (laughs) Okay, there you go, Richard. Um, (laughs) And we also have a PHF game. Wait a minute, you didn't get my 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 vote. Oh, oh, are you a trader, Lou? Sorry. Yes. Oh, Canada. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I can make up some ground on you guys. (laughs) And we also have a PHF game in here that uh, Richard just added. So who would you like to pick between the Minnesota... What's the Minnesota team? Whitecaps. Whitecaps. Whitecaps And the Toronto... Sixes. Yes. Uh, Richard... Oh, okay. Uh, let's see. Um, just going by the standings. I mean, we got Toronto uh, just right behind Connecticut. But uh, I like Minnesota. I like the way they play. I'm going with the Whitecaps. Okay. Where, who do you got? Sixers. I have no idea why. You know, Richard said that he really liked Minnesota very confidently, and that that convinced me to pick Minnesota as well. <laughs> have you seen my record this season? Yeah, but just the confidence, and I have absolutely <laughs> no idea. <laughs> oh, it, it's gonna! I think it's gonna be the best game of of the PHF lineup for Saturday. I think it's gonna be a fun one to watch. Do we also want to pick the Super? I'm sorry, we, we cannot use that term. Uh, you can right. say the big game or oh, the NFL shoot, championship game. I'm going to have to beep that out. And Adam is going to think that you swore. <laughs> I, I can't believe that they do that though. That is, it is a trademark starting <sighs> with the, I think it was the fifth NFL AFL championship game. It's really silly. I'm sorry. Um, so for that NFL sports ball game, <laughs> who, who do you think is going to win between the Cincinnati, I hope I can use their names, yes, and the yeah. LA, I, can also, I also hope I can use their names. <laughs> Here's the problem for me. I have not watched the game. Um, when was the Headhunter Gate down in New Orleans? Oh, dear. Yeah, that was like, <laughs> like 10 uh, years ago. Yeah. 
almost a decade 10 or 12 ago. years. So yeah. that's, that was my, that was the last time I watched the NFL when they let um, the saints off the hook. Um, so I Cincinnati, I'll okay. take, uh, I'll take the Bengals. Richard. Uh, I think now's a good time to tell you uh, back in the early 2000s, I took pity on the Bengals and actually rooted for them for a long time. So I'm going to go with the Bengals. Also, I, I believe uh, Matthew Stafford's Detroit Lions might come out in the Super Bowl and um, no good thing is going to happen there. Okay. I'm going to pick the Rams because while well, I pity both franchises, I feel much worse for Matthew Stafford. I've seen what Detroit can do to a person. Wow. Wow. All right. Anybody listening in the Detroit area, Jacob, where can they find you on Twitter? <laughs> they can't. I'm a ghost. <laughs> wow. Okay. Okay. Uh, Jay Doherty at 98. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jacob, am I going to be picking up the, the slack here this week? Oh, or you yes. Tell uh, yes. If you want to follow along with your picks, um, go to the, or tweet at the PHM podcast. Use hashtag PHM picks. And yes. Oh, okay. All right. I'm not having to do your job this week. That's great. Um, okay. That brings us to our parting thoughts. Lou, what you got for us? Um, my parting thought is I wonder who's next in the NHL, uh, in the coaching ranks to lose a job. I'm not, in, not uh, a fan of, of people losing jobs, but, um, there must be one or two coaches out there who, who are on eggshells. So that's my parting thought. Okay. We should have, we should start a bingo. <laughs> we'll, we'll make bingo we cards next bingo. season. Next season. We'll start bingo cards. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jacob. <laughs> Oh, man, this season for hockey has been so weird and so painful for me as both an Oilers and a Montreal Canadiens fan. I have had to pick up a third team to be my playoff team because Montreal decided to just die. And they're going to be dead for a long time. And I'm really upset about that. So my new favorite, my third favorite team is now the Bunch of Jerks Carolina Hurricanes. You can go worse. I know. I just really like that Bunch of Jerks. And I really like Robin Brindamore and Sebastian Ajo and Svechnikov and all those guys. Like yeah. They're just a fun team to watch. They are. And, you know, the, the surge at the end of the game is always fun to watch, too. Oh, yes, that, too. All right. Uh, my parting thought, uh, I've been enjoying Olympics hockey, especially uh, as much of the women's hockey as we've been able to, to get here in the States. Um, looking forward to a rematch of U.S. and Canada in the, in the gold medal round, at least, you know, knock on wood that it does happen. Chances are it will, but you never know. Again, that is why they play the game. Um, just been really enjoying watching as, as much hockey as I've been able to get out of the Olympics. And also, you know, when that's not on plenty of NHL to watch as well, you know, just all around a lot of good hockey to watch recently. And I've been a, a very happy person for that. All right. That does it for this edition of the pro hockey news podcast. Thanks to our sponsors, LDE affinity jewelry, the Chicago wolves merchandise store, and Verbero Hockey, and our partners with Bet99 up in Canada. For Lou Lafredo and Jacob Doherty, this is Richard Cote. I will see everybody next week.